You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan. Welcome in. We are ready to go on the Hot Take Podcast. I am here with Blake Sullivan, as always. What's going on, Blake? Not much, man. Two weeks away. Two weeks away from Vegas. Oh, man, I'm getting pumped, ready for that high-stakes draft. I'm going to be doing a ton of drafts, let me tell you, these next two weeks, trying to get prepared, but I don't know if anything's going to prepare me for the nerves I'm going to have in that room. Uh, you know, and all those guys are – well, not all of them, but a lot of them are really expertise yeah. uh, guys, you know, that they're, they're going to come out and they're going to have their best. And I don't know how I'm going to react. You know, they're going to be taking some crazy names, I bet, once you get into like the eighth, ninth round. For sure. No, and I think – well, and let's set the stage here, you know, for, uh, for this episode today. We're going to be talking some busts. We're going to get into who we feel you really shouldn't be drafting uh, at their ADP. That doesn't mean we hate the player. That doesn't mean you shouldn't draft him relative to the situation in your draft. Every situation is different. Um, so we're going to talk about busts today. Uh, our guy, Xavier Warner, is on the show today to help us sift through some of these busts. What's going on, X? All right, man. Thanks for having me back on, man. I'm, I'm excited. We had a good time last time. Um, you know, a lot of fun always talking with you guys. So let's get back and do it again, man. Let's talk about some, uh, some, some football. Yeah, man. We're g- going to get into the busts, obviously. Uh, there's some big news that we have to address on the hot take. Obviously, we, we haven't gotten into that big news over the weekend. Um, but, Blake, let's first talk about Vegas. So, in a couple weeks, you're going to be out in Vegas. You're going to be representing the hot take uh, for the FFWC, the Fantasy Football World Championship. So, are you going to be taking place in a draft? Yeah, so I'm in one of the bigger drafts out there. Uh, it's a $400 league, so I'm, I'm really pumped to get in on that. Um, yeah, you know, there's going to be some crazy things going on. I'm assuming that a lot of quarterbacks are going to fall. A lot of tight ends are going to fall. I think that's just kind of the way that's going to shake out. But you get into, like, the eighth round, there's going to be some crazy sleeper picks coming out. I think you're going to see things like Chris Godwin is going to go in, like, the early third round. Like, people, like people are going to reach for their guys. Yep. Like, like DJ Moore, if someone wants DJ Moore, they're going to get him in the fourth round, like something like that. And it's going to shake up the draft for sure. So you got to be ready to – I guess the, I guess that will stay water no matter what, but be ready to uh, for that sort of thing to happen because Patrick Mahomes might go in a weird spot too. You know, you know, I, I feel like that's how it's going to go with these high stakes guys. Yeah, you got to think about when you're paying a lot of money to do a draft. Like you, you got to get the guys that you're confident in. You don't worry about other people's rankings. If you have a guy projected for X amount of yards, X amount of fantasy stats, you go get that guy, especially when you're paying that type of money. Exactly. Exactly because. The worst thing to do when, you, when you're in big money leagues is to have a guy go to somebody else and he pays off. And you knew you had him on your board. You should have drafted him. That's the worst thing that could happen because you kind of were like, ah, no, he might fall to me. You know, that's the worst because you, you always play that game, right? Oh, okay, I'll, I can get him in the next round. Just get him. Get, get him. And then, and then you can go from there. So let's talk about Andrew Luck. 29 years old, $97 million man is gone. He's retired from the NFL. Um, One of the greats, honestly, you know, the Colts were blessed to have 19 years of Hall of Fame caliber quarterback play from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. And 
let's just talk about the the fantasy outlook for the Colts right now. So we got Jacoby Brissett, and we got him. You know, he's got T.Y. Hill, and he's got uh, Marlon Mack. So X, who loses the most value here? Um, let's not even get into Jacoby right now. We'll talk about him. But who loses the most value of the weapons? So I'm going to kind of take a contrarian approach to this. Um, you know, I, I could obviously say Marlon Mack or T.Y. Hilton, but I'm not going to go with either of those two. I'm going to go with Naheem Hines. Um, and I know he's going to be, you know, a third down guy, a receiving guy. And, and But the Colts have come out and said they want Marlon Mack to be a three down back. But Naheem Hines is going to be in the mix. But I think with Andrew Luck, that offense is so much better that it allows Naeem Hines to get some perceived value to add into his ability. You know, he might catch, you know, five or six touchdowns with Andrew Luck. Now with Brissett, now they slow the game down. Now Marlon Mack starts rushing the ball a little bit more. They're a little bit more conservative in their approach. So that may allow Naeem Hines to kind of sink down, not in the depth chart, but in the fantasy world where he, you know, could have been a, a flex replacement if you, if you needed him, you know, a week in and week out. You could have played him in DFS a couple times if you needed a good value. But I don't think that that's an option for him anymore. Blake, same question to you. Who do you think takes the biggest hit uh, in value, in fantasy value, without Andrew Luck? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to take the obvious one, and I'm going to say T.Y. Hilton. Um, at the end of the day, I really don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to be all that bad. But if you've got one guy, for me, it's going to be T.Y. Hilton because he has 16 yards per reception as his average for his career. So, obviously, he's a guy that's getting a lot of deep balls, I'm going to be a little bit more worried about the accuracy of Jacoby Brissett's throws than I was with Andrew Luck, who I was pretty confident could throw it down the field uh, besides last year when I was, you know, a little nervous with him coming off the shoulder injury. Uh, But, you know, he's going to have Marlon Mack and Eric Ebron for the check down type throws. I'm more worried about the one-on-one burner type plays on the outside where, you know, T.Y. Hilton might have to have a lot more separation. Um, or, or just in general have a more accurate throw from Jacoby Brissett. And I, I feel like he's going to miss out on some of those opportunities uh, and it could hurt his value. So I'm going down the stretch. So T.Y. was wide receiver 27 uh, in 16 games with, with Jacoby in two, 2017. Uh, he almost hit a thousand yards. Touchdowns were limited, obviously. And he had 109 targets, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of seeing that baked into his ADP right now. He's a fifth round pick right now, guys. So I'm okay with T.Y. Hilton in the fifth round. Like, I'm probably not going to draft him, to be honest with you. There's Chris Godwin. There's a bunch of people. If they're there, I would probably get Tyler Boyd. I, I would get over T.Y. Hilton right now. Um, so Hilton's fallen almost two full rounds since this news broke. Unreal. Yeah, he was getting drafted about the 306, and now he's going in the early fifth round. So you're looking at almost two full rounds, and I think he offers you a ton of value, you know, in a half point or full point PPR. Uh, I still like it, but I think I'd even like him more in my standard type leagues where, uh, you know, I think you're going to see the receptions fall some. In that year with Brissett, he only had 57 receptions, which was his second lowest ever. Uh, you know, like last year he had 76. So that's 20, 20 reception loss, and he only played 14 games last year versus 16. So right. – uh, but, you know, the yards were still fine. I mean, he was right around 1,000 yards, so he still had he decent. Him, he gets them in chunks, you know. And that, and that right. year, I think it was four, it was four games that he, he, that he had that you really wanted to start him. And yeah, so, everything else was just kind of, you know, and, and that's just how it's going to be. I mean, 
Jacoby isn't going to be able to keep him consistent. So you're not going to want to play him every week, unfortunately, is how I'm looking at it. Um, I think the biggest hit is Marlon Mack. Um, so you guys had Hines and then T.Y. I think it's Marlon Mack because Marlon Mack did his best work last year when the Colts were up. Um, and he was the kind of running back that really can succeed with an Andrew Luck-led offense. Uh, so I'm looking at that like, you know, at the end, you know, fourth quarter, them, they're up. You want Marlon Mack on your team. That's just not going to happen as much this year. And to that point, X, I kind of disagree that potentially there's actually a little bit of upside here for Hines, assuming that they'll be down in games more often than they would be. Maybe there's more room for Hines to be on the field and be used as a pass catcher if they're, you know, down two touchdowns. Yeah, so here, so the re, so I should have prefaced this. The reason why I said that, I just did my AFC projections um, for, um, like, record-wise, like over-unders, and I actually have the Colts projected at a 10-6 record uh, okay. this season with the Texans. So, for me personally, I think that Naheem Hines goes down because I think they're going to slow down the game. I think that Marlon Mack's going to pound the rock and it's not, they're not going to need Naheem Hines as much as with Andrew Luck, where you can spread it out. You can run different stuff. You can have Luck kind of just do what he does. I think Brissett's going to have them focusing on the game in a different way. But I still think they're going to be successful. So I think that they're not going to be down in as many games as maybe, as maybe as people think. I think they're going to be competitive, and I think they're going to be fine. If we look at 2017, I mean, Brissett got there, what, two weeks before the season started or something like that? So he didn't have a lot of time to really – gauge the offense and learn the offense now he has you know almost a year and a half worth of worth of knowledge worth of reps that he can now put into effect so I think he can be a productive quarterback I just think for the game plan wise Naeem Hines isn't going to be as effective as maybe Marlon Mack or um you know as other people think he would so I agree with you in that concept that they're down yes Naeem Hines will have a lot more ability but I think that they're going to be you know winning more games than people think yeah, it's a good point, X, because I really do think that the Colts are going to be all right because they do have a great offensive line. They have – their defense is better than people think. Um, so as long as they work around that and slow the game down, like you're saying, they don't want to, you know, pass the ball around like they would with Andrew Luck-led offense, obviously. So, yeah, that's a good take. And, you know, the division isn't that great. Nope. I mean, we don't really know what to expect with this Jags offense. I mean, the Titans uh, – shoot, I, I don't know. Um, the Texans are, are the real one, but, you know, then, of course, they just lost their, their running back, too. Uh, so there's questions there, and then they don't, they're not going to have Clowney start the year. So, really, the Colts could surprise some people and actually compete for that division when you think about it like that. But are you guys looking at Jacoby at all in redraft leagues, anything like that? Uh, two QB leagues, if you, if you like to wait on quarterbacks, he's a guy that you can take really, really, really late, and, uh, and he might have some, some value to you. But one QB leagues, I'm not even touching him. Probably would stream him if I needed to in, in certain matchups. And, you know, he can come out week one and, and, and go gangbusters. And, we, you know, everyone would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to pick up Jacoby. So, you know, if you're in a two QB league, draft him late maybe just as kind of a see how he plays the first couple weeks. Um, but uh, I'm not sold on him, but I'm definitely going to keep my eye on him. He's on my watch list for sure. He's, he's not going gangbusters against the Chargers. <laughs> no, no. But you never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Never That's what I was going to say is, like, he's playing the Chargers week one, so there's no chance of me drafting him because I know I'm not going to use him week one. Right, yeah. So, but that makes know, yeah, maybe he does go crazy, and then, like, somebody picks him up. But at the end of the day, if that happens, I'm going to be like, okay, whatever. Right. You know, like, I wasn't going to waste a pick over that. Well, I play a lot of 2QB leagues, so that's what that's like where I usually come from is like, all right, maybe I look at him towards the back end of the draft. But one quarterback leagues, even super flex, I'm not, I'm not touching Yeah, and, uh, and I, I agree completely with that. I think that – you know, two QB leagues, you could definitely think about it at the end of the draft. 
Because you know he's gonna he's gonna be the way that I'm viewing it is he's gonna have his red zone opportunities, and when he's in the red zone, there's opportunity for rushing touchdowns. So you have a little bit of upside there. So let's move on to some of these busts. And again, I just want to reiterate. We don't hate the player. We just kind of don't like this ADP. They're not going to return value at where they're being drafted. So I'll just start us off here. Josh Jacobs, he's going to bust. And I like Josh Jacobs. So at the very like beginning of this season or this year going into the draft, Josh Jacobs was my RB1 going into the draft. As the draft got closer – Miles Sanders caught my eye. Miles Sanders was that RB1 for me going into the draft. Josh Jacobs took a back seat. He was two, and then I had David Montgomery three. I like Josh Jacobs as a player. I just don't believe in this Raiders offense. And I don't think that Gruden is going to use Jacobs as much as people think. They still have Jalen Richard. They did cut Doug Martin, which I will say, for me, clarifies some things for me, for Josh Jacobs. So I do believe that he's still a back-end RB2. He's being drafted as the RB18. I have him as the RB23, all right? So I'm not saying that he's going to kill you. But he's being drafted in the third round, and that's what I don't like because I like a lot of these players being drafted around him. And that's the biggest thing. Like, when you're on the clock, it's got to be relative. And if, you're, if Josh Jacobs is your guy, I get it. But Chris Carson is there. I would much rather have Chris Carson. And then we talked about David Montgomery. I'd rather have him this year. I think David Montgomery is in a better offense, and he's going to get more volume. So, Sony Michelle going a little bit behind. I'd rather have Sony. Um, so that's just kind of how I'm looking at Josh Jacobs right now. I'm not believing in the offense, and I, I really don't think that he's going to get as much volume as we think he's going to get. Yeah. So Josh Jacobs was like a top three guy for me in the draft. I really like him, but, you know, and I think eventually he is going to be deserving of a spot where he's being drafted right now it's a 306 but like you got some nerve man melvin gordon going at the 401 mark ingram at the 402 mac at the 405 and then you come all the way down here and you can get Tariq cohen you know all the way down here at the 702 i just think you really got some nerve if you're gonna take you know josh jacobs four rounds above Tariq cohen it just seems kind of like a wasted pick to me yeah, I, I'm, I was kind of high on Josh Jacobs in the beginning of the draft process, and then you know solely Miles Sanders. I'm an Eagles fan, so uh, Miles Sanders started eventually, you know, kind of taking his way back up. The more I heard, the more I've seen, the more tape I watch. I, I'm kind of slightly different from you on that, Steve. Like I think Josh Jacobs is going to be used um, a lot, and a lot of the reports coming out of the camp is that you know he has been used, and he and Gruden has a plan for him. So. You know, he's one of the guys that I'm not taking at his ADP. I completely agree with you on that. But definitely would look at, you know, at the fourth or fifth round for sure. Um, but guys like Tariq Cohen and, and other guys like you named, like, like, it's really disrespectful for people to take Josh Jacobs ahead of those guys. Well, I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, I'd rather take – I think Miles Sanders in the fifth round is the real home run hitter. Like, if you draft Miles Sanders in the fifth round, he offers way more upside than Josh Jacobs in the third round, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, your third round pick, you want it to be a short fire. Like, you want your first three picks to be like quality guys you can count on week in and week out. You don't know if you can do that for Josh Jacobs yet. Like, you, you got a lot to, to see still. So, um, I'm not trying to take him in the third round. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wide receivers around there in the third round. I mean, Amari Cooper, um, you know, Julian Edelman, 
uh, Chris Godwin is around there. Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is a, is a top 10 receiver for me this year. I, he's my wide receiver 10. So I, I don't know. I'd rather have that surefire, like you said, hit at the third round. X, who is your bust? My first bust uh, is Nick Chubb. Um, and it's not what? for the reason that people think it is. Okay. I like Nick Chubb. Okay. But in order for me to want right now he's going, his ADP is around like 201 like the, the top end of the second round, you know, middle to top end of the second round. And at that spot, there's so many receivers, there's so many running backs that are going to provide you with clear-cut advantage. I don't think Nick Chubb is going to be as consistent out of the backfield receiving the ball as many people think. And in order to be in that top tier, you have to catch the ball at the backfield, something we talked about earlier. Um, I just think with Odell, Jarvis Landry, who is a – like both those guys are target machines um, and and – Baker is going to feed them. Then you mix in David and Joku. You mix in guys like Rashard Higgins, who's having a really good camp, and they really seem to like him out of Cleveland. I, I don't know if there's going to be enough opportunity out of the backfield to really like push him to that level. I think I think he's going to be a, a good, a really really solid low end RB one, high end RB two. But I, I just think there's a lot more better options that I want to have at that spot personally. So who are you taking over Nick Chubb around there? Like, there's guys like, like, I mean, I mean, uh, there's like anybody <laughs> Julio, there's Michael Thomas that falls there sometimes. There's Tyreek, there's um, like, there, there's like so many people that like, like, if I see, if I see Julio, Michael Thomas, Nick Chubb, and um, uh, Tyreek Hill in that area, I, Nick Chubb is the last person I'm looking at, to be honest. Even if I want to go double running back, even if I'm looking like, there's just so much more upside from those three guys or, or, the, or the other high receivers that go in the back end of the first or the early second that I, I don't really want to take Chubb. Like, I, if I had picked, like, 104, 105, and he comes back around and I can get him at, like, 208, 209, you know, 207, like, yeah, then, I, then I'll definitely consider it. But 201, 202, 203, no shot. Not for me, at least. Yeah, so right now you could take Nick Chubb with the 107 or you could take Odell with the 205. So when you're in the red zone, I mean, I personally would think that Baker would be looking to Odell before giving the ball to Nick Chubb. But, I, I mean, I could be wrong on that, but that, I would think that's the guy that you want to be giving the ball to in the end zone. I, I think that – I don't know. All right, so Nick Chubb is being drafted as the RB8. I have him as my RB8. So, obviously, I think that he's all right around where he's at. Um, it really just depends on how you want to draft – because like you guys are saying, there are great receivers right there. So you're either taking a Nick Chubb or you're taking a great receiver. That's what I'm thinking around there because I'm probably not taking James Conner. I'm probably taking Nick Chubb over James Conner. That's just how I feel. I know that there is a difference of opinion there. Um, but I really like uh, – I know. And, like, and I'm really disrespecting, I think, the Steelers' offense as a whole because I'm buying into the Browns' offense being – a really tough matchup like if they're all healthy it's going to be extremely hard for them to stack any sort of box they're not going to be able to do it it's just not it's not going to work when you have the greatness of Odell Beckham Jarvis Landry and then Rashad Higgins like you said is actually very good I love him he's very good David and Joku like you mentioned it's just there's matchup problems everywhere and then you got Nick Chubb who's just going to pound it down your throat for five yards a clip they're going to get in the red zone. They're going to score touchdowns. I like Nick Chubb a lot. I, I, I hear you, though. I, I hear you because you could get Juju Smith-Schuster. You can get Michael Thomas. Yeah. These are all great players that can win you league. So you've got to make that decision in the draft. 
But the funny thing is, like, we were talking about this. I'm like, you know, I don't want to take him at 201, 202, but, like, 206, 207, I love it. Like, and that's only five or six spots away. So, like, like, like you were saying in the beginning, we don't hate these people. I like Nick Chubb, and if he falls five or six picks, I would love to have him. But at that spot, I just think there's just so much innate value that you can get from those, from those high-profile wide receivers, especially in a PPR format. Um, if we're talking about standard, now, now I'm going to love him in standard at 201 because I know he's going to have that rushing – you know, that rushing ability and stuff like that. But, like, PPR, I just – I can't pass up guys like Odell, Julio, Michael Thomas, Juju, and all those guys. But uh, I've, I've, been doing, I've been doing mock drafts on ESPN, and uh, he's going – and like, his, according to their ADP, he's going in, like, the third round. It's great. I, don't, I, I think that's going to change. But at the same time, it hasn't. Like, Damian Williams, according to their ADP, is, like, is in the fourth round. So I don't know what's going on with ESPN right now, but you can get Nick Chubb in the late second round in that situation. And like you said, that you would take them all day at that, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. Well, why are you, why are you doing a lot of mock drafts on ESPN, man? You got a draft coming up? Do <laughs> <laughs> you know of any? <laughs> <laughs> just one. <specifically. laughs> all right, uh, Blake, hit me with your, with your bust. Yeah. So one guy we actually just mentioned there was James Conner and I love James Conner. So again, you know, like you said, we don't, necessarily hate the player or anything like that but for whatever reason the situation isn't working out right for us to draft him so right now you could get James Conner at the 107 but there's other guys there man like the 108 is Hopkins the 110 is Adams who those guys are probably going ahead of Conner anyway uh, in most of your drafts you're not going to have seven straight running backs going off the board most likely you know and there's other guys like Julio I, I would take over him or even Todd Gurley, in my opinion. And then you got Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill. So all those guys, I'm taking over James Conner. And the thing for me is last, last season he had 12 rushing touchdowns, right? So I see that being, I see him being a candidate for some regression there. Uh, and, and the worst thing for me is, you know, last year you have A.B. and Juju. So you're getting down the field quite a bit. So that's, that's why those touchdowns were there is because you're getting in scoring position pretty quickly. Uh, whereas this year, I'm a little bit more worried about that. I don't know how potent their passing offense is going to be. Uh, I'm not sold on their defense either, so I think they're going to be down in a lot of games. And I think it's a great game script for Jalen Samuels, who I think can come in and take a lot of that work from James Conner. Maybe they try to keep James Conner you know, healthy and keep him, keep him fresh. You know, Last season was a big workload for him going from 32 carries to 215. And the one thing about James Conner that I do like is he did have 55 receptions last year for like 500 yards. So, you know, he does provide value as a receiver, but at the end of the day, Jalen Samuels is a better receiver. So if they get in that position, I think they're going to give him the ball more and I cannot afford to have my first round pick be a bust. Yeah. I mean, when like every year someone busts in the first round. So who's it going to be? And you're planting your flag and you're saying that James Conner is going to return that value. And I completely respect that. I think that there are a wide range of outcomes for James Conner and the ceiling being he's a top five running back because he's in the Steelers offense. But then the floor of that is you're drafting him in the first round and he could be a high end RB two. He could be an RB 14 this year. And if he's an RB 14 this year, he busts. Yeah. So what, what is it really? What do you believe? And, and that, that's a good point, Blake. I mean, it, it could happen. I mean, X, how are you feeling? Which way are you leaning with Connor? I, I'm kind of like I'm, – I'm, I'm on the same side as Blake. So, like, do I want him in the first round? 
probably not just because there's so many moving parts in that offense. There's so many questions up in the air. You don't know what's going to happen. But again, if he fell to like where Nick Chubb is going, you know, 201, 202, 203, if I can stack like a Michael Thomas or Odell or, you know, somebody in that you know, good wide receiver or, you know, Le'Veon Bell or something like that, and then pick him up in the second round, that's something I'm definitely in the market for because now I have a guy with my first round pick that I know is going to produce. And I take a guy in the second round that is going to produce but also has the upside to be a top five running back. So um, I'm definitely, I'm, Blake, I'm with you on that. So, but I, I do like James Conner more than most, but I'm completely with your your argument and definitely understand that. It kind of feels like if you're like, if you're in the top five picks this year, you're probably going running back. If you're in the back half, you're going receiver. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It seems that way because once you get to seven or eight, DeAndre Hopkins is there. He's most people's wide receiver one. It just makes a lot of sense to get him or Devontae Adams. Um, somebody like that and when when I go receiver in the first round man like doubling up on like a Devontae Adams and an Odell Beckham I mean that's just money in the bank so you can't do that when you get somebody like Connor or even Le'Veon Bell Um, all of these guys are going to be fine in fantasy it's just going to be tough based on you winning your league (laughs) you know I mean based on this draft obviously things change there's moving parts throughout the season but you got to look at this draft as a nice base. You really want to stack up uh, the most talented upside that you can along with uh, a combination of a safe floor. So I, I do like James Conner, um, but I, I'm with you, Blake. I, I really I, I hear what you're saying. Now, if Melvin Gordon, if Melvin Gordon does start and play week one, like it's looking like it's going to happen now, it looks like he's going to be with the team. He's at the 401 right now. So instead of getting James Conner, you could come down – two rounds probably pick him up in the third and you're going to get a guy that's typically at the same ADP as James Conner, but two rounds later. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if, if Melvin Gordon's playing and we find that out and he's still going in the third round. Oh boy. <laughs> Big issue with that. <laughs> there's there's yeah. someone that's definitely going to win that league easily. Cause then you're getting guys like you're getting Le'Veon, you know, whatever, Le'Veon, Zeke, whoever, and then you're getting another guy and then you're getting another guy and then you're getting Melvin Gordon who could finish better than all those guys. Hypothetically. That's kind of a preemptive situation. Like right now it's looking like he's coming back. But yeah, obviously once the news breaks, he's going to return to being like a top second round, late first. Did you notice that flip that, you know, we were thinking that Zeke was definitely going to play and now it's, it's kind of flipped in this like past couple of days. I think they're both playing. I don't, I I think we just worry too much. (laughs) I like that. All right. I'm a little reluctant for this bust. I mean, this is, one of my favorite receivers in the league. Like, believe it or not, like the kind of catches this guy makes, the 50-50 balls, uh, some of the touchdowns we've seen. Uh, I love Kenny Galladay. But I'm not drafting him at the 411 this year. It just makes way too much sense to me to wait and draft Marvin Jones, who I think is going to have a comparable season as long as both guys are healthy. I'm not seeing the separation from – Galladay from Marvin Jones right now as like that much to justify it. Um, so, you know, last year, Marvin Jones was pretty inconsistent. The offense as a whole was inconsistent. Um, but Jones was also hurt. Kenny Galladay had the offense to himself. He ended up getting 70 uh, catches, 1,000 yards. He was the wide receiver 21 overall in PPR scoring. Um, and now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 19. So, look, I'm not saying that he's going to be outside of a flex play every week. You're going to be able to play him. 
you can draft Kenny Galladay. I'm just not drafting him as ADP. I don't think that he's going to finish as high as that back end wide receiver too, even though that's a, a safe projection for him. Um, I think he might be a little bit outside that wide receiver two range this year. And then Marvin Jones is going to be around that wide receiver three play. So you might as well just wait and get that really nice value on Marvin Jones is the way I'm seeing it. Um, and that's my sole reason for not drafting Kenny Galladay right now at that ADP. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Galladay is a great player, and he had a great season last year. And I think he still has a little bit of room on top to improve. But the amount of ceiling that he has left just doesn't offer enough value to me because you could go at the 408, you got Chris Godwin, the 409, Tyler Lockett, and at the 501, Cooper Cup. So I think for me personally, I'm willing to pay up just a little bit more. And, you know, you might have two or three of those guys available when you're making this selection. So I'm not too worried about it. You know, I'm probably going to take one of those guys – ahead of Kenny Galladay, just because I feel like the floor is all similar with all those guys. Well, but the can, ceiling with, like, Cooper Cup or Chris Godwin is just through the roof. Even guys, like, in, you know, a little bit later, like Jarvis Landry in a PPR scoring format, I'd, I'd rather AJ have Green. AJ Green, if you want to take the risk and just wait, you know, four weeks or five weeks, whatever it's going to be. Josh Gordon, another guy. Like, Josh Gordon and Kenny Galladay, you can look at, as kind of similar players outside big bodies but the difference is I would say Josh Gordon is better and I would also say that Tom Brady is better than Matthew Stafford and I I want that offense more than the Detroit Lions so I can't justify getting somebody like Kenny Galladay when I can get Josh Gordon it looks like Josh Gordon is going to play and be ready I mean you can say okay well I I really don't want to risk playing that game with Josh Gordon that's fine you know Scared money don't make money, and I'd rather have Josh Gordon. So, X, how are you looking at it? I mean, it's kind of it's hard for me to say that Kenny Galladay is a bust, but I mean, when I'm looking at it, I, I'm just not drafting him a lot right now. Yeah, I feel like every time we talk about this, I always want to preface we like these guys, we just don't like where we're drafting them. But like I know we said at the beginning of the show, but like it's so important because I love Kenny Galladay, and a lot of people like Kenny Galladay because of the type of athlete he is, the type of catches we've seen him make consistently throughout his young career. But, I mean, when you look at the guys going next to him, like, you, you can't be in love with Kenny Galladay there. I mean, like like you guys said, you had Cooper Cup. You got A.J. Green. You got T.Y. Hill. You got Mike Williams. You even got Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd. Like, you can go down – like, I can go down a considerable amount of guys that I would like to have, not necessarily instead of Kenny Galladay, but at their price ranges um, in relation to Kenny Galladay. Even if we go all the way down, like, I'd rather have Allen Robinson in the seventh than Kenny Galladay in the fifth, to be honest, just because – of the amount of exposure that Allen Robbins is going to have. And, you know, we'll talk about D.D. Westbrook in a little bit, but, like, D.D. Westbrook's going at 707. So, like, there's a lot there's a lot to kind of be left on the table with the wide receiver group, and that's why I think the wide receivers are really, really deep this year because you can go a bunch of different directions in the same amount of time. So, for me, Kenny Galladay is a guy that I, I want on my team, just not in the, like, early first round. Yeah, I mean, so around his ADP, like you, you were talking about, the Cooper Cup, right? Let's talk about Cooper Cup because – I'm looking at the Rams, and, man, of course I want one of those wide receivers over a Detroit Lions wide receiver right now. No matter – I think the, diff, the, the misconception is you, you're thinking you want – whoever's drafting Kenny Galladay, you want that wide receiver one, and you're looking at Cooper Cup, you're like, ah, he's not the wide receiver one on his team. But that's not the way to look at it. You have to look at the situation. You have to look at the context of the offense. And right now, what the Lions are doing is they want to be a run-first team – 
And it's not just about them wanting to be a run first team. It's also about what they have around them. And they have Marvin Jones, who is just as reliable, same type of player. And there's no reason why Stafford would pepper Galladay with target, targets and not hit Marvin Jones on the outside. You know, they, they also brought in uh, Danny Amendola. I'm, you know, I'm, you can't worry too much about Danny Amendola, but still he's going to be in the slot. And Matthew Stafford likes to use that. Uh, we've seen a little bit of chemistry with TJ Hawkinson. So Carryon Johnson is going to get, uh, get an increased target share. Um, there's a lot to go around actually there in a limited passing uh, attempts sort of offense. Yeah, like we just said about Cooper Cup, I mean, if we look at the Rams offense, I mean, I don't love Jared Goff, but like he did kind of like low-key support three wide receivers last year. So it's not like, you know, we're looking at Kenny Gall, like, all right, I want the wide receiver one as opposed to, you know, wide receiver two or three on his team. But like Cooper Cup before he got hurt was like very, very good. So, you know, looking at it from that angle, like, yeah, Cooper Cup. Was that? Number two overall. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you're looking at Cooper Cup, like, all right, you know, He's, you know, one of three wide receivers on his team that could be dominant any other week or, or could, you know, get X amount of yards or X amount of value. But that system is so good for those wide receivers, especially with Gurley. And Gurley can do what he did last year, you know, obviously in, a, in an albeit limited role because they're going to push back his carries a little bit. But I would love to have Cooper Cup over Kenny Galladay at that spot. Love it. So, Xavier, who is your bus? Oh, my second bust is Derrick Henry. Um, he, he's going around like mid to the back end of the fourth round. Um, currently, all the reports we hear out of camp, and we heard it at the end of last year when they started giving him X amount, you know, a, a lot of carries toward the end of the year. And he had, what do you have, 30% of his final fantasy total in the last two weeks, or the you know, week 15, week 16, or week 14, week 15, whenever it was. Um, but how come we don't see that all year? Like, and I know they have a new offensive coordinator in there. I know they have a new system going in, but like, I just don't have enough faith in their offensive coordinator immediately giving him the reins, especially after his injury history in the offseason and then trying to get him back. I don't really want him at the spot he's going. And actually, I'm sorry, if we're looking at fantasy football calculator, he's he's going at 311 on fantasy football. Next to guys like David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Sonny Michelle, and before Melvin Gordon, I would – Easily rather have David Montgomery there. Not even, not even a question in my mind. So you know, especially in PPR, when we know that Derrick Henry is going to catch the ball in the backfield like that. So I'm, I'm a big guy on, on seeing who's going to get targets out of the backfield and, and kind of tempering my expectations because of that. I don't want Derrick Henry in the third round or even the fourth. If he falls to the fifth, I would love to have him, but not around guys like like Montgomery and, and Devonta Freeman and you know Melvin Gordon and Mark Ingram. Yeah, it's really tough, tough to justify uh, Derrick Henry when you know he's not going to uh, catch any passes. I mean, Deion Lewis is the pass-catching running back there no matter what. I mean, there's no situation that entails Derrick Henry catching the ball this year at, at, a, high, at a high clip. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his ceiling is capped when you look at it like that. Of course, if you're drafting Derrick Henry, you want touchdowns and you want good game script, positive game script. I don't see that happening a lot this year for the Titans. Unless, we don't even know who's starting for the Titans right now. Right. Quarterback, I mean, so. I mean, like, their best-case scenario that people are calling for is Ryan Tannehill coming in. Why do we think that the offense is going to be that great with Ryan Tannehill? I mean, so it's not looking great for the Titans. Um, I think Derrick Henry, he could be very good this year. Um, you know, if you're going to take him and you want him to be your RB, too, Maybe you could, you could do worse, um, but 
I, I'm in agreement with you, Xavier. I just, I'm not buying them as ADP. Well, and the thing is, too, uh, what I'm looking at is they bring in A.J. Brown and they bring in Adam Humphreys. So the last couple of years, they've just been leaning on Corey Davis in the passing game, and that's why you've seen the offense not be very good through the air. They just haven't really had the weapons. You know, Delaney Walker's been hurt. You know, nothing's really been clicking there. And so then you see at the end of the year there where they finally give Derrick Henry all this workload, and, you know, yeah, he, he busts, what, like a 98-yard touchdown that one game that was just a ridiculous run. But, you know, a lot of fantasy value came on big chunk plays like that and he's not going to get those very often he's not really a breakaway player like that he just kind of got lucky but I don't know I mean I think it's really just kind of a carryover effect from last year and I think he can have a good season but like you brought up what you brought up X with all those other guys around that you're going to be able to draft in the fourth fifth round I feel like there's just way too much better value why take a risk on Derrick Henry yeah not worth it at all I mean and and if you look at guys like that have so okay, Corey Davis last year was was did the same thing in the playoffs. He, he he had a really really good game in the playoffs. People were all you know what have you done for me lately? And they drafted him higher than he was supposed to. And what did he do last year? Not really much. He had he had he had some 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 weeks where he he did really well. He caught the game winning touchdown pass against my Eagles, which I was watching live, and I was very very upset about that. But um, you know, same thing with Derrick Henry towards the end of the season. He's chunks chunks chunks, and he's getting thirty percent of his fantasy value in those last couple weeks. And now people are like, oh, yeah, it's Derek Henry show. It's Derek Henry show. No, it's not. He's, he, he's not going to catch the ball in the backfield. He's not going to be a reliable piece for you. Now, could you draft him as – if you go, like, straight running back and you want to draft him as your RB3, I'm all about it. But it's still not at that spot. But if you want to wait and, and he's not your RB1 and you're not relying on him to do the absolute most on your team, then that's a different concept. But I just would not be buying him where he's going. Yeah, the worst possible scenario is you draft him as your RB1 and he's giving you 10 fantasy points per week. Mm-hmm. And it's a great point. It's like, I, as, a, as an RB3, oh, yeah, g- give me 10 points, please. Like, okay, that's fine. If you're giving me 10 points, I'm not that mad about it. But it's a kind of sim- same situation with Galladay Cooper Cup. I got Sony Michelle right there in the fourth round, too. And I'd rather have that offense. I'd rather have the high upside for touchdowns the reliability in the Patriots offense with the running back that's going to get, you know, 15, 20 carries per game, which I think is safe to say that Derrick Henry can get. I mean, he's going to get 50 to 20 carries a game. So will Sony Michelle. But which one, which offense do you want is how I'm looking at it. I'd rather have Sony in that, in that comparison. Um, that's just how I look at it. You know, I, I rely a lot on that situ- the situation and the context of it. Um, I think that Derrick Henry is a great player. I, I just don't believe in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Blake, uh, who is your bust? Um, you're going to have to convince me on this one, man. Yeah, man, this one's going to be a hard, hard one to convince a lot of people on, but mine's going to be Leonard Fournette. Right now his ADP is at the 3.02. And for me, it really just comes down to the inefficiency. So, obviously, one concern is injury and antics, all this stuff. He's only played 21 games in his first two years in the league. Uh, but it really just comes down to the inefficiency. So, I've got the yards per attempt pulled up here on some of the guys right around him. And Leonard Fournette's at 3.7. We've got Joe, uh, Joe Mixon, 4.3. Your boy. Yeah, my boy. Chris Carson at 4.6. 
Aaron Jones is at 5.5. Devontae Freeman's also up there. He's at 4.3. And Carrion Johnson had a great rookie season, and he's at 5.4. So, you know, Leonard Fournette's really going to have to get a lot of volume. And he did get that volume. He had 268 rushes in his rookie year. Obviously, he had Blake Bortles, so more of a run-oriented type scheme in the first place. Uh, now you bring in Nick Foles. They're going to be wanting to pass the ball a lot more. They've got a decent receiving core down there. Uh, you know, I think they're just going to try to dink and dunk their way down the field. I don't really think that they're going to have to use Leonard Fournette. And the thing was, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that was sweet. He had a 1,000-yard season and nine touchdowns in his rookie year. But the problem was it took him 268 carries to get there. <laughs> it's, not, it's not sustainable, you know. You're not going to have a guy that's – you know, and that was in 13 games. So you're talking about a guy who's potentially putting up 300 carries in a season if he plays every single game. And if it takes that to get you to 1,000 yards, I'm really concerned because if you miss one or two weeks, that's going to be a big portion of your production. So you know, it's just too much risk for me right now. It's a 302. There's other guys around him that I'm going to be taking. I think you convinced me, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Now, I, I will say this, too. I will add in this. If you are in a standard league, I'm fine with taking him because he still has the touchdown upside. Uh, but in PPR formats, there's so many other guys. Like, we talked about Joe Mixon. Chris Carson's going to get more this year. And then Carryon Johnson, obviously. Those three guys are going to have such higher PPR upside. Uh, whereas in a standard league, there's not as much difference. But there's no way I'm touching Leonard Fournette in the third round in the uh, PPR league. How are you feeling, X? You yeah, I mean, you didn't need that? to convince me much. I was already on your side. I'm not a big Fortnite guy, especially in PPR. So um, I kind of – all right, I have the same feeling to him like I have Derrick Henry, but less. Like, I like Fournette more than I like Derrick Henry, but they're in the same boat as me. You know, Leonard Fournette's – from history, is not going to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. So I'm trying to stay away from players that do that. But in a standard league, love them. Touchdown upside is there. Half PPR, PPR don't like them at, you know, at, at the end of the second round, early third. Yeah, definitely the ceiling is capped for Fournette in the passing game. Um, you're hoping for touchdowns, again, just kind of like Derrick Henry, kind of similar in that way. But, I mean, last year in eight games, guys, he had 22 catches on 26 targets. So, if you extrapolate that, he's getting 44 catches. I mean, I'm okay with 44 catches from Leonard Fournette. Are you in the third round, the beginning of the third, back end of the second? Yeah, because he's going to give you thir like 1,213 yards rushing if he plays 16 games. Now, I think the biggest concern is him playing 16 games, which it doesn't seem likely because he hasn't done it yet. So, uh, you know, you're drafting him in the early third round. I think you're hoping for 14 games. Uh, that's like that's your hope. Uh, you can't expect at this point for him to play a full season. Um, yeah, I'd be okay with 44 catches. Um, I think, like, to Blake's point, they're actually going to pass the ball a little bit more this year. They brought in a passing regime. They brought, it, brought in a better quarterback in Nick Foles. So they might pass a little bit more. And uh, that's going to benefit your boy, uh, Didi, who we'll get to in a little bit. But it could benefit Fournette. TJ Eldon is gone. Um, so, I mean, it's not like they have a lot of options in the running back position as far as the passing game. I'm just saying, yeah, he's not going to get 55 catches. But he could get 45. And if he gets 45, I think that's all right. I think that's all right. Um, but you're, you're kind of hoping for that because if he doesn't do that for you in a PPR league, yeah, he might, he might be a bust candidate in that third round. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with him being a bust. I think it's a risky pick uh, in early third round when there's a lot of talent still on the board. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is, like, Tariq Cohen's going back in all the way into the seventh. So, like, if you're looking at PPR and you're looking at their total yardage with receiving uh, and rushing, Tariq Cohen's in their first, his first year uh, – or, excuse me, in his second year and in Fournette's first year, which would be the best year for both of them, they were less than 200 yards apart, and Tariq Cohen got you 71 receptions. So that'd be an extra 30 to 40 points. I would gladly take Tariq Cohen, even though the touchdown upside's uh, not quite as much there. I would much rather have Tariq Cohen all the way back in the seventh than Leonard Fournette in the third, because I know I'm not going to bust with Tariq Cohen that late. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, one one more thing on Fournette in this passing game. Uh, that year that you're talking about, the rookie year, 48 targets, 36 catches, 300 yards. So you, you obviously won a lot more from your running back than 36 catches, right, X? Yeah, personally, personally. But, like, I, I don't – I'm not mad at anyone trying to – like, I understand both sides of it because he is going to be – he is going to be a focal point of that offense. So while I want more catches from a running back, from my personal opinion drafting, everybody's strategy is different. So if you, if you see some value in his ability, go draft him with it. Yeah, I mean, he's a bruiser. Like, he's going to get his – he's going to get his touches. But, you know, I, I just feel limited with him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a PPR format, and you got Leonard Fournette, On Johnson, Devontae Freeman all lumped in right around there. Freeman and On Johnson seem like the obvious choices because of the reception upside right now. All right, Blake, lead us off, man. Your hot bowl prediction. This is our first hot bowl prediction of the season. X, you're blessed to be on for that. We're awesome. going into week one. Next week, we're going to really just dive into the Bears-Packers matchup. We actually have a beat writer for the Packers, uh, Brian Perez, coming on. We're going to talk to him about that Thursday night slate uh, in a little bit of week one. But right now, we're going to talk about our hot bowl prediction. Blake, lead us off. Yeah, man, it feels good to be finally doing some hot bowl predictions. This is my favorite part of the show. And I know you're going to love my first one here. I've got Jameis Winston shows out for four touchdowns and 350 yards. Uh, I think he's absolutely going to light it up against the 49ers in week one. You're going to see uh, him sh- – spread the ball around. You know, I don't think they're going to run a whole lot against the 49ers except for maybe late in the game. But you're going to see Mike Evans and Chris Godwin really have big games. I like that. I love that because um, I'm doing my week one rankings for fanball.com. I got Mike Evans as my wide receiver one in the NFC. So I got him finishing over Michael Thomas. Um, And I also have Chris Godwin as my wide receiver 10. So I'm thinking that they're going to show out in that first week against – a 49ers defense that isn't, you know, going to be that inspired. Um, so I'm loving that. I'm loving Jameis for that, that breakout. Everyone's going to fall in love with Jameis after that week one. I'm sure he'll let you down at some point. Don't get too happy <laughs> with Jameis. Um, X, loving, loving your bold prediction. Tell us about it. First of all, I love the Jameis pitch, pitch Blake. I'm all about Jameis this year. He's like my QB eight, I think, this year. Like, I'm really, really high on him. So I'm all about that. Um, but my – my first one, I'm not going to get to the one I really want to get to yet. Um, my first one is Lamar Jackson throws for 300 yards and tallies four total touchdowns uh, in week one. So I specifically said tallies four total touchdowns because there are going to be some, you know, I think he goes a perfect split and goes a 2-2 split. I think he might have two rush touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns. He's playing against Miami Dolphins. Um, they're not a good team overall. They have a lot of holes on that defense besides their DBs. I mean, Minga Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard are very, very good, but – you know, unless they make a trade for Clowney, I'm not really too concerned about them. 
Um, their line, actually, the middle linebacker is pretty good as well. But Lamar is going to take a step forward as a passer, in my opinion. Um, he's going to be able to move the ball down the field, which means Mark Andrews is going to be a big piece of that offense. And he's still going to have that rushing upside. Um, so I am, I'm on the train for Lamar Jackson. QB1, week one, 300 yards, four touchdowns. I love that bold prediction. Uh, X, is Lamar Jackson the QB1 for you for the season? Um, I think I have him. Hold on, let me bring up my – I have it right here. He is QB13 for me right now. Wow. Yeah, I have him really high um, because I know, I know what he's going to do rushing-wise, so that's what puts those quarterbacks up another tier. You know, we saw when Cam, when Cam Newton, you know, finished, you know, as QB1 that year, like, Russell Wilson, you know, you get guys that can rush the ball and can do that stuff, and it's automatically going to extrapolate those numbers and, and, and make them rise. So, you know, if he can rush, you know, week one, if he rushes for 75 yards and two touchdowns, plus, you know, you know, 300 yards in the air and two more touchdowns, like, he's easy QB1, like, no debate. So, if he can temper those, you know, temper those stats throughout the year, and obviously he's going to have some up and some down here, I think he could be – he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. I will, I will bank on that right now. No debate. I like it. Uh, so we got the Monday night matchup. We got the Saints. We got uh, the Texans. Uh, it's in New Orleans. Look, I'm still believing in any game that's played in New Orleans is a high-scoring game. I don't care if the Saints are trying to play defense and Breeze is old, whatever you want to say. I think that there's going to be a lot of passing in this game, and I think the number one receivers are going to be used a lot. I'm saying 16-plus receptions, 300-plus yards, and three touchdowns total for Hopkins and Michael Thomas combined. So Lamar Miller, we know he's gone. I'm not saying that's going to impact the game that much, but I do think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to get even more of a target share than he normally would. Um, and they're going to be leaning on that number one receiver. And Michael Thomas, of course, we know he's a target monster. Both of those guys are just going to go off in that Monday night matchup. I love that, man. That's going to be a huge night for Deshaun Watson with, with no Lamar Miller. They're going to be throwing a lot to Duke Johnson, too. So <laughs> Deshaun Watson's going to show out. Yep. Yeah, so for my second one, uh, uh, and I'm a, I'm a Packers fan, so it kind of hurts me to say this, too. But I think David Montgomery is going to carve up the Packers. I think he's going to have over 100 total yards and two touchdowns. I love it. I, I love, love that. It. I mean, you know, we, we – we like David Montgomery on this show. So that's really a win for you, even if he kills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as the Packers still win, David Montgomery can get a thousand yards week one. I won't be mad. You know, <laughs> I mean, the Packers defense has made improvements. I will say that they're a little bit more well-rounded this year. So I think it's going to be harder for teams to just pick them apart. Like they have in the past where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to run at you this game. And then the next game when other people are hurt, oh, well, we'll just throw down the field and you can't do anything against us. But this year I think the Packers are going to be able to be more balanced and you know, make the quarterbacks think a little bit more, make the other teams kind of slow down and uh, you know, run the football some more. So I think David Montgomery fits into that kind of scheme a lot better. Uh, you're going to see him running early on in downs and then – You'll probably see a lot of Tariq Cohen still, but I think David Montgomery is going to get his own receptions too. So I think I could see him with one receiving touchdown and one rushing touchdown. Love that. And I like what's your next prediction here? Well, Savi is uh, my co-host on my podcast. He's a big David Montgomery guy, so he would he's going to absolutely love you saying that. And I agree with him too because I'm, I'm a big David Montgomery fan. And the Bears have used the draft capital on him. They have 
specifically stated they're in love with him. They like everything he's doing. So if this is a week where you can show out, they're going to probably give him a, a, a lot of work, um, which I think they learned from last year when, you know, Aaron Rodgers came back and beat them. Maybe they try to pound the rock and keep him off the field a little bit more. That would probably be the smart way to, to handle Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. Um, I have – this is my favorite one. D.D. Westbrook is going to catch two touchdown passes and finish as a wide receiver one for week one. Um, I really, really always like D.D. Westbrook. Blake Bortles was his quarterback. I usually like guys named Blake, but I don't like Blake Bortles. So <laughs> he, he, he's out of the equation now. You get Nick Foles, who, who was a better passer than him, was a competent quarterback. So um, I think that could be a week, you know, going against Kansas City where they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be needing, you know, guys to, to get yards and chunks. I think he's going, you know, I could see him getting over 100, 125 yards and two touchdowns and, and, and really putting himself on the map for people. So I'm playing in week one in DFS. I already have my lineup submitted. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited about D.D. Westbrook. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nick Foles is going to need a wide receiver one, and I can't think of anybody else other than D.D. Westbrook that fills that role. 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that he's being tempered as much as he is in the fantasy community, like pe- people are high on D.D., but his ADP isn't reflective of that. And he's going to have a good year, man. And, and you're completely right, Blake. Like if, if, he, if uh, Foles is going to have a wide receiver one, someone's got to step up for that. It's going to be Westbrook. Um, yeah, great matchup against the Chiefs. It's going to be a, high, uh, a lot of passing you, you can project. Yeah, I'm wondering what his ownership is going to be on DraftKings, man. I'm kind of worried about that. I um, can only imagine. He's <laughs> cheap, man. I, you're looking at, like, I see Odell, and Odell's fairly cheap right now. So I can't even imagine how high his ownership's going to be. I think somebody like D.D. Westbrook makes a great pivot where you're you're moving for a cheaper guy like that, and then if you want to pay up for – you know, like a, a tight end, which I don't usually do, but you could, like if you wanted to pay up for Travis Kelsey or something this week. We know that Jalen Ramsey's going to be shadowing Tyreek Hill. They've already talked about that. Could be a huge week for Travis Kelsey. He might be the lead receiver, the lead guy that's open for the Chiefs. And you know that uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to find his guys. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot, like targeting yeah. Kelsey against this Jags uh, defense. Absolutely. On FanDuel, D.D. Westbrook is actually going for 5900 right now, which I think is very, very cheap, and I'm ready to exploit. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking he would be in that 5500 to 6000 range, so that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to start D.D. and DFS. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and if that comes true, you are a profit X. My last uh, bold prediction here is the Eagles offense. This isn't necessarily – well, it is fantasy relevant because start your Eagles because the Eagles are scoring 50 points in week one against the Redskins, who, I mean, they're the bottom of the league right now as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's like them and the Dolphins as far as the back-end teams. Um, It's just not looking good right now for the Redskins, uh, offensively, defensively. They're talking about trading Josh Dotson. That's not going to be a big hit to them. But, I mean, there's just no weapons around when you're looking at offenses in this league that are just stacked. The Redskins are just not. And the Eagles are one of those teams that are going to be able to put up points. Uh, Deshaun Jackson in a revenge game. I know he just broke his finger. They're saying he's going to be ready for week one. He'll be he's fine. Playing. What's up? He'll be fine. I think he got a custom splint uh, made up so he could play. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to be eyeing that for sure because, I mean, I have him highly ranked because we know Deshaun Jackson revenge games are something to keep an eye on. I'm saying the Eagles are going to score 50 points in this game. I'm yeah, all so- I'm all about it. <laughs> I know you are. I know you're all about it. I already have D Jackson some uh, DFS lineups actually, so I'm loving that. But 
I'm wondering, with this matchup, would you rather have D-Jax for his points when they get out uh, to get them out ahead, or would you rather go with Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard once they get out ahead, where they might slow down the game? I think a lot of people are going to play Jordan Howard. I mean, they're going to play Miles Sanders this week. Um, I would just play Jordan Howard just as a contrarian pick because you need to have those contrarian picks to really, you know, boost yourself up those rankings in DFS. So um, I think Jordan Howard could be their bruiser when they get up. You know, Miles Miles Sanders could be their little scat back. And, like, like Miles Sanders, I think, is going to be the, the first and second down back. But, like, Jordan Howard, once they get up, is going to be able to just bruise and bruise and bruise. And that's where he's going to get the majority of his yards. Just the Eagles are going to be able – to slow the game down when they get up a touchdown or 10 points. And then when they're not up a touchdown, Miles Sanders is going to be able to be electric. So I think you can't go wrong with either one of those guys week one because I think they're going to score a lot of points against that Washington defense. But if I'm picking someone, it's Jordan Howard just because I know so many people are going to play Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's a great call. I mean, no no reason not to stack that Eagles offense in a couple lineups and start a few of these guys, uh, especially Carson Wentz, obviously. Blake um, loves to stack, man. Blake's always stacking. <laughs> always, man. That's the only way to win. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, X, thanks for coming on the show, man. We're going to close out. I want you to uh, just tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter and then what you got coming out for them. Yeah, I'm um, at Xavier J. Warner on Twitter. Um, on my podcast, at Top Shelf BFF. Um, you know, my the summer's been really, really busy. I coach three travel baseball teams, so I'm traveling every week, every weekend, going to tournaments, so I don't really have time. But now – I'm done. I have a lot of time. So I'll be having my over-unders just came out for AFC, coming out for the NFC probably over the weekend. Then I'll have, you know, I'll be posting week one um, rankings for each position on my website as well, as well as prop plays. And, you know, I'll be coming on and and helping Blake out as well on on, on his website, you know, post some stuff throughout the season from part-time. So, you know, you guys can find me, you know, anything on Twitter uh, at Xavier J. Warner again, um, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff I'm on as well. So definitely be able to look out for that. Awesome. Blake, real quick, tell everyone about FSGN and uh, the Fisher House League. Yeah, so we still got a, a few spots left in the Fisher House Foundation League. Uh, obviously goes to a great cause, so be sure to hit me up on Twitter at Blake Sullivan FF or at the FSGN. Obviously, uh, we're trying to fill up a couple more leagues here. It's best ball. Really fun time we had last year, and we've got that on full-time fantasy this season, so that's kind of a cool addition that we made. Um, and then also, we're going to be selling our DFS uh, and sports betting picks for both college football and NFL season. Uh, so, and we've actually, we're going to start a, a 10 person free trial. So if anybody wants to get in on that, you know, you're listening right now, go ahead and hit me up and I'll get you uh, signed up for that. Um, we've already had a couple of great preseason games. X had some, uh, some early picks on the preseason would have already oh, paid off. For subscription, so, Twice. so yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta follow X man. He's got all the good stuff. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. don't forget to, uh, if, you, if you're living in Vegas, go see Blake over at the FS, FFWC. Go buy a hot take t-shirt. Um, go to the FSGN and sign up for the Fisher House League. Go to the FSGN and check out all of the DFS stuff they got going on. You can see what X is doing. He's winning some money. You should be too, so do yourself a favor. Go to the EFSGN.com. Check out Fanball.com this year. I'm going to be doing weekly rankings. I got my week one uh, wide receiver rankings coming out for the NFC wide receivers. Mentioned Mike Evans is my number one, so be on the lookout for that. Check out the rest of my rankings. On behalf of Blake Sullivan and Xavier Warner, my name is Stephen Cerrone. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.